Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Tuesday evening where we will continue our reflections into the book of Genesis, chapter 1. Here we are in episode 6, finally getting to verse 9 and the third day. So this evening we will be able to talk about creation and the earth and and our relationship with creation. I'm going to, in principle this evening, reflect into uh, Benedict's words on creation. I think they really do provide for us a nice foundation into really best understanding creation, at least I think so. <laughs> okay. Anyhow, before we get into that, I did just want to continue to thank all of you who are taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to Seeds of Truth Radio, those of you who have been so faithful <laughs> to me through the months and years uh, keeping this program on air. You know, I recognize certain countries um, off and on, but I don't recognize certain states. And I did go back to the grid I have, and I saw that there are certain states that are listening in, in greater numbers. Uh, New York, Illinois, Florida, Texas, those bigger states, but also Colorado, uh, Montana, South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, Louisiana, uh, Alabama, Georgia. I see these states on the grid, uh, the states in the, the New England area, Massachusetts, Vermont, Maine, uh, Rhode Island. I see you as well. And again, I just uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to this podcast. You know, we we go live here in Chico at 5.30 every evening, and then that downloads as an iTunes podcast. That's where you listen to it, and uh, I appreciate, again, you listening to Seeds of Truth. It really uh, keeps me going, keeps me convicted. <laughs> it really does encourage me. And as always, I, I also want to encourage you to send me your questions, your observations, your comments. This Thursday, I will respond to your question about the relationship between Thanksgiving and Catholicism. What is the best context to understand Thanksgiving in the larger Christian context? Certainly, it has a lot of roots there, and I will be sure to get to that on Thursday. Again, tomorrow, just by way of reminder, Father Mike Ritter will be joining me, and we will begin our exploration into the world stage, a new theme, a new night, where we are going to be talking about finding Christ in literature and cinema, and tomorrow will be Les Miserables. Les Miserables. So Father Mike and I will be just not talking about the movie, uh, the book, but also where we might find Christ in that, and I'm really excited. Father Mike and I have watched the movie together, <laughs> and so I'm very much looking forward to uh, that conversation. All right, so Genesis uh, chapter 1, verses, I will, let's see here, read 9 to 13, 9 to 13. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind upon the earth. 
and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, a third day. Okay, before we get into what Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI has to say on creation, I thought it would be important to get into some of that literal sense, okay, of of these verses. That is, the historical context, how might we interpret these verses within, oh, what we can call a certain framework, if you will. If you were to take a step back and to read just not these verses, but these verses within the context of the seven days, you do see a certain framework. Uh, Genesis pictures the newly created world in a state of primeval chaos. We talked a little bit about this last week. Submerged in water and shrouded in darkness, we really see that it is a place that is unfit for habitation in life. The author conveys this idea by describing it as something without form and void. Without form and void. So you have formlessness and well, what we can call emptiness. And the twofold problem of formlessness and emptiness is important because it really does set the stage for the days of creation that follow, where essentially God imposes order on the chaos in two phases. In uh, creation days one to three, he forms the world into its temporal and spatial dimensions, right? And then on days four to six, he fills the world with its designated rulers. So in one to three, days one to three, he is forming, and in days four to six, he is filling. So as St. Thomas Aquinas would speak to it here, Genesis thus arranges the creation account in kind of what we could call a symmetrical fashion, with the first three days corresponding to the second three days. Now, this, of course, is also important because it highlights the significance of the seventh day. <laughs> the seventh day stands apart as the day when God rested from his work, also creating man to oversee his work. Again, this will be something we explore in much more detail the seventh day, but I thought it would be helpful, and again, most commentaries speak to this. I'm uh, looking at the Ignatius commentary here and and St. Thomas Aquinas as well, how these uh, days are structured. One to three, without form, and four to six, empty. So in days one to three, he is forming. In days four to six, he is uh, filling. So relevant to our discussion as we begin to engage uh, the third day. And, and as we do, um, we do so with the help, again, of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. And in particular, his examination of the topic of conservation from the theological perspective. He dedicated an entire chapter of his encyclical on charity and truth to the environment. And, and through the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace, that is um, a group of people uh, within the Vatican who oversee issues of justice and peace, through this pontifical council, Benedict has issued 10 commandments of the environment. 
essentially teachings about the relationship between faith and creation. So here again, you can see the importance of what he has to say, and as it applies to verses 9 to 13 that speak to creation itself. Also, for those of you who are familiar with the writings of Benedict XVI, and I know there are some of you out there, they very much reflect these Ten Commandments, the essence of his teaching and message. So what are we to learn about environmental issues from these Ten Commandments? Well, we can speak to them, I think, in some broad statements, uh, maybe three or four broad statements, and then I'll just kind of list the ten and we'll reflect with the time we have. First and foremost, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI stresses the absolute link between the goodness of creation and the absolute good of its creator, as he once told the youth of Italy in one of his first public addresses. The beauty of creation is one of the sources where we can truly touch God's beauty. We can see that the creator exists and is good, which of course is true as sacred scripture says in the creation narrative. That is, that God conceived of this world and made it with his heart, his will and his reason, and he found it good. So we can have some sense of God who is good as we contemplate created beauty, as we contemplate, as I've spoken to it before, creation as his first love letter to us, to just contemplate. Yesterday I was talking about Lake Tahoe and ascending those higher levels in a hike and kind of looking out and, and just not grasping the interconnectedness of the water beyond the water and the canyon beyond the canyon and the trees beyond the tree, but just appreciating the goodness and the beauty of Lake Tahoe itself. I made a similar connection with Yosemite. You know, it was going to Yosemite National Park, which has been called God's natural cathedral, that we can begin to grasp the beauty of God, to just contemplate the beauty of God. I was speaking about this with a theologian friend of mine, and he says, you know, for me, it's the wind against the fields of wheat. To just see the fields of wheat dance with the wind. For all of you who are farmers out there, you know what he's talking about. Certainly, I share that same sentiment. We need to, from time to time, really withdraw from all of the busyness that we involve ourselves in to contemplate what Benedict XVI is talking about here. We all need to retreat and to just not go on vacation for vacation's sake, okay? But to go on vacation to get a sense of where you might find God. Okay, so a very important piece here. Returning to Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, environmental issues are a moral imperative, but a moral imperative that are sown into our responsibility to be co-creators with God. Benedict says, I believe that true and effective measures against the waste and destruction of creation can only be realized and developed, understood and lived, when creation itself is considered from the point of view of God, when life is considered on the basis of God and has its major dimensions and responsibility before God, life that one day will be given by God in its fullness and never taken away. 
So as he says this, he at the same time reminds us that the earth is not a sentient being. In other words, those who might claim that the earth is somehow divine or sacred in of itself, right? That would be mistaken. The earth is a creation, not a creator, okay? And we must never worship the creation, but only the one who created it. Certainly, I think this is a tendency today, and in many ways, a form of paganism to worship creation itself, to have our adoration of creation stop at creation itself. No, we are to see it as a reflection, again, as a love letter to us from someone, its creator, who is also Father. Father, that's such an important point, and and a point we spoke to in one of our initial reflections, that when you look at creation itself and the two creation accounts, well, there's a reason why there's two creation accounts. In the first creation account, he is creator. In the second creation account, he is father. The Hebrew there in the first creation account is Elohim. The Hebrew in the second creation account is Yahweh. So in the first creation account, he is creating And in the second creation account, he is fathering. We must never put these two against each other, but see one in light of the other. All right. Second, for Benedict XVI, although attention to environmental issues is essential to continued life on this planet, people always take precedence, right? The needs of nature can never supplant human dignity, Human dignity, and certainly this is also something that Pope Francis spoke to in the Dazio C, his encyclical on creation, care for our common home, that the needs of nature can never supplant human dignity. Human dignity is foundational. So this doesn't mean that we can do anything we want in the name of human progress, but rather that development must always be measured against both the environmental impact, as well as the implication for humanity itself. In other words, nature must be used for humanity's needs, but never abused for humanity's wants. And I think that is the place where we get confused, huh? Needs versus wants. You know, John Paul II talked about this often, Benedict XVI is talking about this here in Charity and Truth, and certainly Pope Francis speaks to it in Laudatio Si, his document on care for our common home. Third, and another huge point, is that global poverty and the environment are linked with what? But peace and justice. That without equitable and just sharing of the earth's goods, peace ultimately will be impossible. And without peace, poverty cannot be eradicated. This is Benedict XVI before it's Pope Francis, by the way, okay? And all four of those, as we just spoke to them, global poverty and the environment, peace and justice, all four of those must be present if we are going to actually, what do we read in sacred scripture? Renew the face of the earth. This, my friends, is just quintessential to this whole discussion. All right, 
Fourth, and certainly very important for us today in 2017, because this is very much a part of today's political conversation, is that (laughs) environmental issues are not the prerogative of any one political or religious ideology. What do we mean there? Well, when it comes to the environment, we're one people on one planet, and we all must do our part. So for nations, what does this mean? Well, this means protection through legislation. For individuals, this suggests maybe changes in lifestyle that move away from that kind of totalitarian consumerism which plagues us. And this, my friends, is not anti-capitalist, by the way. The church has always affirmed capitalism within itself. What it really challenges and calls out is the crony capitalism we see so much of today, right? The world of uh, supply and demand, the free market, the church affirms. Benedict XVI affirms. But it has to be grounded in what we're talking about now, that principle of solidarity, the principle of civic friendship, as John Paul II would speak to it, living with the other in mind. So when we go to buy a good, a practical good that we are going to use in our everyday life, we are made to ask the question, how does this impact my brother or sister in Christ? And how might I maybe sacrifice a want so that my brother or sister in Christ might have a need? Okay, gosh, this just this goes to the heart of John Paul II, the heart of Benedict XVI, and really the heart of Pope Francis when you start putting this in the context of uh, social justice, that principle which is always rooted in human dignity. And human dignity, by the way, always starts in the womb because as one Cardinal DiNardo just mentioned, civility starts in the womb. Pope Francis also echoes that in Laudatio Si. You can't have any kind of discussion on ecology without a good human ecology, right? Okay, so in essence, Benedict wants to tell us that we are all in this together. (laughs) As the pontiff said at uh, the World Day of Peace in 2009, does not every one of us sense deep within his or her conscience a call to make a personal contribution to the common good and to peace in society? So important. So, Benedict Emeritus XVI gives Catholics and really Christians a broad blueprint for the integration of faith with current environmental and scientific concerns by really calling us to make our style of life a form of witness and that our words express the faith in a credible way as an orientation in our time. And here I also echo John Paul II, you know, where he says, buying things is not a bad thing, but it becomes problematic when there are so many people out there who need just those foundational things to survive. And so we can buy things, and that's fine, but we have to be careful to the degree that what we buy is at the cost of, literally speaking, what others could potentially have. So then, what are we as Catholics and as Christians 
supposed to do with regards to the environment? I mean, this is really kind of the, the decisive question, right? Benedict nor does the church state specifics. But at least in Benedict's teachings about the environment and the church's overall instruction in this area, they do rest on that foundational belief that when God created this world, he saw that it was good. And in our care for God's creation, we do become co-creators with God in the process of the formation of a new heaven and a new earth. So all of our actions, both on an individual level and on a national level, should then be guided by this kind of balance of conservation and development with the understanding that the goods of the earth, such as food and and water, uh, clothing and shelter, are to be shared by all and just not hoarded by a few. And and, in speaking of this, this isn't some sort of commentary towards a political ideology. I know this is hard for some of us because, at least in the United States of America, what I'm talking about right now is tied to political parties, per se. And that's dangerous. It's more than that. It's about Catholic principles, and there needs to be a unity in Catholic principles. That yes, to be pro-life also means being pro-environment, and to be pro-environment also means being pro-life. We have to reconcile these two. As the Pope wrote in Charity and Truth, paragraph 51, our duties towards the environment are linked to our duties towards the human person considered in himself and in relation to others. He also once said that we can win the future if we do not lose creation. By the way, if you really want the broader context of what I'm talking about, uh, read Charity in Truth. Rich, rich stuff. Now, before I close, I'll just kind of go through these Ten Commandments um, quickly. Again, these are the Ten Commandments that really come to us from the Council for Justice and Peace, and really do, I think, speak to the heart of what we have been talking about. The first commandment is this, that the Bible lays out the fundamental moral principles of how to confront the ecological question. So there, Pope Benedict XVI is saying, essentially, my friends, in the Bible, we have a clear uh, path of instruction into how to answer the great ecological questions. Commandment two, We should not reduce nature to a mere instrument to be manipulated and exploited, nor should we make nature an absolute value or put it above the dignity of the human person. We spoke to that. Commandment three, the question of the environment entails the whole planet as it is a collective good. Our responsibility toward ecology extends to future generations. Certainly, my friends, we should appreciate this fact also in the context of everything we do. Every act impacts someone, right? So as that act impacts someone, it does so in the future and future generations. Commandment four, it is necessary to confirm both the primacy of ethics and the rights of man over technology, thus preserving human dignity. So there, Benedict wants us to understand that, you know, advancement in in technology is good. It It is good. But is technology the end, or do we see it as a means to an end? Only Christ can truly, 
truly give us the deeper meaning of what it means to humanly progress. So while we advance technologically, that advancement is going to be only as good as it is tied to ethics, the right and the wrong. And that can only be understood in the light of Christ, who has established in sacred scripture the moral objective standard, which determines the right from the wrong. Okay? Commandment number five. Nature must not be regarded as a reality that is divine in itself. Therefore, it is not removed from human action. We spoke to that. Commandment six. Ecological questions highlight the need to achieve a greater harmony, both between measures designed to foment economic development and those directed to preserving the ecology, and between national and international policies. Commandment 7, concern for the environment means that we should actively work for the integral development of the poorest regions. Ladout COC and Pope Francis speaks to that. Commandment number 8, collaboration by means of worldwide agreements backed up by international law is necessary to protect the environment. Okay, so, you know, the international community, when they come together, I mean, yeah, (laughs) those are good, but only good to the extent that they put the person first. The problem is today they haven't put the person first. They don't see civility begins in the womb. Right? Once we grab a hold of that, then those international communities coming together in committee form can do what it needs to do. Commandment number nine, lifestyle should be oriented according to the principles of sobriety, temperance, and self-discipline, both at the personal and social levels. Okay, so here there's a number of points that could be had. All of them rest in that one overarching truth. If we are intoxicated with uh, consumerism, then we can never achieve the common good. That's just a fact. And again, this brings us back to that first commandment that is tied to sacred scripture, right? Sacred scripture speaks to sobriety everywhere. And it's just not alcohol and drugs. It's just that concupiscent appetite that always wants more. But again, as you've heard me speak to it, Less is more, especially when it comes to our brother and sister in Christ. And the last commandment, a spiritual response must be given to environmental questions inspired by the conviction that creation is a gift that God has placed in the hands of mankind to be used responsibly and with loving care. So herein lies this call that is before us as man to be stewards of creation, not because creation itself is to be worshipped as some kind of God, (laughs) but because creation itself is God's love letter to us and a means by which we can contemplate his beauty and draw deeper into his very goodness. That we, as anthropological beings, as both body and soul, might become enriched by it and ultimately then transformed by it, being transformed by God's goodness, his his life and his love as, as it is poured out from him. Okay, all right. With that, let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you.
Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.